Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven talk radio that promotes happiness from the inside out. Each week, Lisa spotlights trendsetters and change agents who offer sound emotional fitness tips for improving mental muscle tone and greater well-being. Guest experts include a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who are devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen, is a widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and positive lifestyle management. Let's get to it. Here's Lisa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, broadcasting consciously prepared brain food from the beaches of Malibu, California. Each week, we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. Mm -mm -mm. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart. And this show is most definitely all about the heart. Today, we've got a great show planned for you. We're talking about moving from chaos to clarity, uneffing yourself and getting over it and on with it. And the it means life. My first guest today is Gary John Bishop, who began his life journey in Glasgow, Scotland. The grit and wit of his early life have contributed to his tough love, in-your-face approach to personal development. Coupled with world-class training, Gary has created a potent brew of effectiveness and the ability to reach through the crust of people's lives and root out the deeper issues that consume them and tie them to their challenges. His ability to elevate and expand people's greatness makes the kind of life-altering impact that is rare in the industry. Gary is hyper-aware, has years of elite training that allow him to assess each client and guide them to the path that best expresses their lives. With micro-precision, he cuts straight to the heart of the matter of what's going to make the difference. And today, he gets to hang out with me and make a difference here. And we're talking about his book, Un-F yourself. Get out of your head and into your life. Welcome, Gary. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, it's great. It's great to have you here and great to talk with you about, you know, our effing lives and un-effing <laughs> our effing lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, <clears throat> you know, I know that's a kind of provocative title for a book, but I think when it comes to our lives, it demands a certain kind of seriousness. You know, it's not to be taken lightly. So I think the title kind of fits what it's really all about. Well, yeah, it cuts to the chase. You know, if you if you are mired in uh, complication or in a life that is not um, satisfying, whose responsibility is it to to, to <clears throat> move from that space to someplace yeah. else? Well, I, you know, you can people often argue that point, you know, and they and they love to argue that point because 
unfortunately for us as human beings, there's a great deal of avoidance for how well our lives are going. Like it's so much easier to explain that my life's here rather than say, well, I did it. So, so as a, as a group of people, you know, we are one of the first places we look is for some reason or excuse or justification as to why things are the way they are. None of which really makes any difference. And, you know, that's, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of that. You know, there are times in our lives when we kind of pick fluff out of our belly buttons to, you know, wonder, to try and work out what the hell we're going to do next. <clears throat> and I, and I'm a great proponent of saying, look, that's all fine and well, but at what point do you actually start taking the actions to have yeah. things move and have things shift? Yeah. And, you know, everybody has a story, right? I mean, we all have these stories that we come to the table with, you know, war stories, or most of us don't have too many fairy tales running, but occasionally there are a few. And then, and then yeah. it's what we do with these, <clears throat> these, these things. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it would be great if we could all say, I have a story and treat it like a story. But everybody says I have a story and mine is real. Now, it's not like it's not real for you, but if you take five people and put them in the same situation and then an hour later ask them what happened, they'll all tell you something different. Yeah. And they're all unique to each one. They're all true. They're all true for the person, you know, in the situation. You might see some cross-reference, but it's like, you know, well, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That did happen or that didn't happen. And in my career, I've found that people know exactly what I'm talking about, by the way. If you look back in your past when you'll say you, you, there's someone in your life where you'll say, well, this happened. And they'll say, well, that didn't happen. And then you spend 30 years of your life arguing about it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm much more interested in, OK, well, isn't it about time you maybe embrace the notion that we all see life in very different ways? We all have different triggers, different things that we pick up and start to appreciate that that's what's actually going on. And if you can get that really profoundly, you'll, you'll get a lot of freedom with, you know, your life and your pathway and whatever the heck brought you to this point. What would happen, you know, I often imagine I, that I say, okay, I put us, put aside the story, you know, that we all, mm -hmm. that we all arrive to the party with, because it doesn't yeah. really matter, right? It's in the, it is in right. the rear view mirror. So right. we are, we are not the story. The story is a part of us. And mm -hmm. like, what's next? I mean, isn't what's next, the curiosity <clears throat> and wonder and excitement of what's going to come next, yeah. far, far more exciting and possibly empowering? Uh, it can, it definitely can be. What you've said there is completely accurate, of course. And you can't, th that comes with a caveat. And the caveat is you can't have what ne what's next get in the way of what's here. So you would have what's next, illuminate what's here, inspire what's here, but you can't live a someday kind of life. Like I'm miserable right now, but when I get this done and that done and this done and that done, then I'll be happier. So there's a there's a widely agreed upon item that we have as human beings, and that is that we are influenced by our past. And philosophy, it's, they talk about the cause and effect of your past and how it seems to only travel in one direction from the past to this point. So it means like as I make my way through life, I'm more likely to connect myself with what's been than connect myself with what's to come. 
and this ties into the point that you made, you can just as easily be influenced right now by your future as you can be by your past. So you can just as easily be inspired by your future as you can be deflated by your past. It's not a one-way traffic, if you like. And it actually takes a bit of thinking. But, you know, unfortunately, that is what's required to, to turn your life around. You do have to think, and you have to think beyond the paradigms of what you currently believe. And you also have to act. You have to take mm -hmm. actions in the fulfillment of what you say you're up to. You can't just sit there, close your eyes, and say, you know, I want, I want, I want. It doesn't happen like that. You you can you can you can open yourself up to certain new outcomes in your life, but at some point you have to take the actions that are consistent with it. Well, it's like doing something just a tiny bit different. I mean, it it, it may be scary for some people. Uh -huh. I mean, here's what here's what I witness in the work that I do with folks is that change is very very frightening. Even the misery of, of, of our past is something that is known. So the future, you know, t do, taking a step into what's next can be very frightening for people because it's unknown. So they yeah. become comfortable with the misery that they're living in or they're experiencing and unwilling to let go of the baggage to n n let's forget moving forward, <clears throat> even just enjoying now being, yeah. being, being here. Right. Right. And, and, that really does point to people would rather live with the uncertain, with the certainty of their unhappiness than deal with themselves and the uncertainty of happiness, like what they'd have to do with themselves and their lives. Um, but but you, make a, you make a great point there. Most people, if you ask them about their miserable past, most people wouldn't say they're unwilling to let that go. Most people would say, I'm very willing to let that go, yet somehow it persists. Yeah, yeah. But but I would say to people, but but what if you approached it like you were unwilling to let it go? Like, what if you came at it from the perspective, hold on a minute, what if I'm cognitively, consciously keeping this in place to prove a certain point about myself or prove a certain point about life? What if, like, I'm actively keeping that thing alive so that I don't have a great future, which seems a little counterintuitive. But if you invite that kind of thinking in, if you let yourself think that, even though you might not agree with that, which, you know, agreement is the most rudimentary kind of thinking anybody can do. But if you go beyond that, if you go beyond what you currently see or currently believe and really challenge your thinking, you will open up to new ways to relate to old problems, new ways to relate to the future, new ways to relate to yourself that open you up to whole new paradigms of success. I agree. And in, in your book, um, Un-F Yourself, I had to like uh -huh. catch myself. <laughs> I almost said it. <laughs> I almost said that word. <laughs> Un-F Yourself, get out of your head and into your life. You really talk about um, the skill, the actions required from a, per a first person perspective. And I know we're going to need to head to the break in a moment. But, you know, the first step is really, you know, in the eye, right? What we're willing to do to take responsibility, to, to change, to shift. And um, the first step that, that you talk about in the book is I am willing. And, and talk a little bit about what willingness looks like before we jump <clears throat> off to the break. Well, well, the first thing I would say very briefly is willingness is a, as in a, an ignitable state. So you can you can 
you can absolutely create for yourself a sense of willingness where there was none in the past. And willingness is really about being open. Willingness is really about looking at something with a fresh approach. And and that's one of the things I want people to get from that book is that you you have the keys to altering your own internal state and by default start to impact your own circumstances and start to see them in different ways and act on them in different ways. So willingness for me is a magical state. Agreed. And amen to willingness. We're going to jump off for a minute and we'll be right back to learn more about Gary John Bishop. Please visit his website, Gary Bishop. Make a note there. I'm going to say that over Um, to learn more. Connect with Gary John Bishop at his website, GaryJohnBishop.com on Twitter at Gary John Bishop. And on Facebook, that page is a little bit different. It's one in seven billion. And on Instagram, it's at Instagram, Gary John Bishop. And if I mess that one up, he'll correct me. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. Connect with us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for a daily dose of inspiration. We'll be right back after this quick break. Do you find yourself saying things like, I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if? Does the finish line for happiness keep moving? Does the bar keep getting higher? What's getting in the way of your happiness right now? Too much going on? Working too much? Not working enough? Having too many responsibilities? Not having enough money, enough time, enough space? The list goes on and on. It becomes difficult to see all that we have if we focus on scarcity. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one. And sometimes we all need support. Are We Happy Yet? is not another self-help book. It's a guidebook for learning how to harvest happiness through self-mastery which is the key ingredient into building resilience, hardiness, grit, and emotional stability. Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life, and at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I have the great pleasure of hanging out with Gary John Bishop. He is the author of Unf Yourself, Get Out of Your Head and Into Your Life. Prior to the break, we were talking about willingness. I am willing is being the first step to making anything happen. Gary, let's talk more about willingness because people will say, yeah, 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 I'm willing to change. I'm willing to change. Those are words. What does willingness really look like? You know, like anything else in life, you know, I really feel as if, and, you know, I've got experience of myself doing this, of course, but. You know, I've coached something like 30,000 people, and I've, I've found their, this to be particularly accurate throughout that all of those people. And that is that we, <clears throat> we say one thing, but yet our lives don't reflect what we're saying. So if, you, if people say stuff like, you know, well, I really want more money, or I really want love in my life, or I really want X, Y, or Z – Yeah, if you look in your life, you'll see they don't have it. So from my perspective, what I say to people is, well, let's look at what you do have. 
Let's look at what you currently have. And what if that is what you're in fact up to? What if in fact this is the game you're playing? So I I I I question people in the book. I have them ask themselves, am I willing? Like really, like I say I'm willing, but am I? Am I really willing to take on what I say I want? Am I really willing to do what I need to do to lose 30 pounds? Am I really willing to do what I say, what I need to do to have this kind of love in my life? Am I really willing or do I just spend my time in a loop of complaint about it while never intervening with the quality of my own existence? Mm. And it begins with that kind of, you know, I'm not I'm not a fan of using the word truth because it's a very subjective thing. But anyway, what the truth is to me, I actually start to confront what I've been doing by asking myself the question, am I willing and then you'll see where you're falling short. If you actually approached your life in terms of willingness, if you actually came at it from questioning, am I really willing? Am I willing to go to the gym right now when I keep putting it off? Am I willing to put my credit card back where it was rather than spend on another spend money on another pair of shoes that aren't going to make a difference for me? Um, or am, am I willing to put that money in the bank? Am I willing to not do this, that, or the next thing? And then it really challenge yourself with the statement, I am willing. I'm actually, and willing is a, you know, as a human being, your emotional states and language are in a dance with one another. So mm-hmm. when you, when you state, I am willing and you state it like, no kidding, I am willing. And you act on that state, you're, you'll start to move the areas of your life where typically they've been stuck. I mean, I'm, I, I, I wrote two things down that you just said. That's why there was this pregnant pause on my end. The first thing that I love that you shared was, are you willing to intervene in the quality of my, in the quality of my existence or something like that is what you said. Yeah. And, and yeah. that, and, and that is huge. It's like, it's very empowering. It's saying I actually have um, the ability to make an impact in, in my life. The second thing that I am um, really delighted by what you shared was the words and emotional states are in a constant dance with one another. Correct. And and the other the thing to bear in mind with that is <clears throat> those words that you engage with, you're mostly oblivious to them. So in the book, I talk about your internal dialogue quite a bit. Most of your internal dialogue, you're not present to it. You don't see it. You don't notice it. You're too busy living it. You're too busy living the life of your own constraints. And that that's the kind of intellectual interruption that it takes. You have to catch yourself, see yourself. You know, a really simple one for people is, people use this phrase a lot, they'll say self-limiting beliefs, or I have self-limiting beliefs. You can't see your own self-limiting beliefs. Why? <laughs> because it's your life. <laughs> You're yeah. currently living your self-limiting beliefs. It's all self-limiting beliefs. The whole thing, everything yeah. you do. So, so you. That's why you know when people talk to me about self-help, um, I agree with George Carlin. You need some kind of outside interference, like a book or a CD or a seminar or a coach or something, to kind of interrupt the drift of your own reality. Because, again, for you, self-limiting beliefs as a human being aren't self-limiting beliefs. For you, self-limiting beliefs is, well, this is my life. And yeah. and you get surprised when you discover one. When you find one of your own, you're like, oh, my gosh, 
right? Like, you know, I can't. So for me, you know, if I look back in the earlier part of my life, one of my one of my recurring self-limiting beliefs, if you like, is I'm not smart enough. And I wasn't I didn't notice I was ever saying that to myself. I was just steering my way through life with that in mind. So I would not do this or do that or don't do that, but do this guided by this kind of, you know, subterranean humdrum of I'm not smart enough. But it wasn't until I started to do work on myself that those things started to rise up and I started to see them and I started to catch myself. And that's when life really starts to change. When you catch yourself in the process of perpetuating the myth of your own past. Yeah. I I couldn't agree with you more. And I love what you say about I am not my thoughts. I am what I do. And this is really about action, congruency, walking the talk. There's nothing woo-woo or mealy-mouthed about this. No. And I, and, I, and I think that's one of the things that's really challenging about being in this industry, you know. Um, you know, I'm passionate about people. I want people to live great lives. I think most of the people that are in this industry, that's their that's their idea too, that they want to make a difference. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of the stuff that I see out there in this industry, I don't think it actually helps somebody. I don't I don't think it helps somebody to tell them that they're a butterfly when their wife says they're leaving. I don't think it helps somebody <laughs> tell them. I, really, I, I don't think it helps somebody tell them you can do it when they just declare bankruptcy. And so I think you got to, as, as the kind of people who are in this industry and who are out to make a difference with lots and lots of people, you got to really be responsible for what am I giving this human being that's got to make a difference for them today in their real life, not in some nebulous notion of what life is and isn't. But rather, this person's dealing with something. What do I have that I could give them that would empower them to shift, change, move, transform, whatever it is they're dealing with? Yeah, I, I agree. And we talk about happiness in the context of the show. And I want to just circle back to that for a minute because it contrasts in some sense what you're saying. What I believe happiness is, is that it, it's available irregardless of external experience, right? So I, life can yeah. really be rough. You can be going yeah. through a very difficult time, and, I, yeah. and, and we've all been through this. But that mm -hmm. does not mean that you cannot find moments of contentment even within the chaos and the challenge. It actually doesn't conflict in the slightest with what I said. I mean, look, you are not circumstantial. And, you know, I, I would say that to – I say that to my clients. I've said that to, you know, standing in front of 500 people. You are not circumstantial, but you live like you are. Mm -hmm. So you live like when I do this or do this or get that or get this, then I'll be happier. And you don't get that even when you get that thing, you're the one creating that happiness. You're the one that's generating that. You're not happy because you got a new job. You got a new job and you're generating happiness and you can generate happiness at any moment of any time and any day under any circumstances. And, you know, look, people can argue with that and they love to. They, they do. Love, oh, they love, yes, they do. And that's where people would rather fight for their misery than stand for their happiness. And I've, I've got a 
a long history of people fighting for their BS. And and when I, when I coach them, they would fight for it. They would know you can't do that. This can't be done. You can't do. Well, every time you say that, you're right. But what if you just opened yourself up to the notion that, but what if? Like, what if I could start to express my happiness in situations where typically I wouldn't? Now, one of my favorite philosophers is Martin Heidegger. And that's that's what Heidegger said. Heidegger said, look, freedom for a human being is your ability to act in situations that conflict yeah. with how you would be typically or by default. And you can you can you know if you've read any Viktor Frankl, if you've you know this oh, isn't yes. a new this isn't a new thing we're saying here. We're saying, look, you are the architect, you are the generator, the creator of all your emotional states, and you have this say in all of those all the time. Yet you hand them over to your circumstances and play a life as the victim. Now, now again, I don't mean victim like you know, hand over the forehead kind of victim. I mean somebody who explains your existence by pointing to what's happening around you. And if you're doing that, you're giving all your power away. And it's something you got to cut it out and you got to start generating your experience of being alive rather than waiting for it to happen. Yeah. I mean, we, we, can you believe that we are um, out of time? And so I want to I, I want to close with 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 one little point um, between you and I. But I want to invite you to come back because I think there's more to be explored. I mean, there's there there are hours and hours of exploration we could make with this. But the point is that if you want to unf your life, what you're saying is that you are the producer, director, um, actor, marketing team, distribution team of that film, of that glorious film project that is your life. Right, right, and. All you're doing in your daily life is hiring bit part actors to play it out with you. I think this is a, a very powerful point that if you want to unf yourself, you got to get busy with the I and not from the ego I, but exactly. from that that higher self. I am willing. I right. am. <clears throat> expect nothing and accept everything, which is one of the points in your book. And we've got to skedaddle, so I want to send our listeners over to learn more about you and the book. Unf yourself, get out of your head and into your life. To connect with Gary John Bishop, go to his website, GaryJohnBishop.com. On Twitter, he's at GaryJohnBishop. On Facebook, one in seven billion. That's a little bit different, that page. And um, at Instagram, Gary John Bishop. Gary, will you come back and hang out with me some more? I would love to do it. Yeah, you know, I love talking about that stuff. So yeah, I me would love too. to be back, Lisa. I'm, we're we're going to call you the show's urban philosopher because that's a that's a title you give yourself. So come out, right. come and hang with me more. All right, here come the tunes. We'll be right back, and that's a promise. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Unwrap your present by signing up for Happiness Headlines, our monthly e-zine at harvestinghappiness.com. Stay tuned for more after the break. One thing I know for certain. Happiness waits for no one, and sometimes we all need support. We all have the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable each day, regardless of external circumstance. Sure, things will inevitably happen in our lives that are out of our control. There is only ever one thing that is totally within our control, ourselves. When we have command of ourselves, we are better prepared to handle life and bounce back more quickly when challenges arise. Whether you see the glass as half empty or half full, 
The glass has the capacity to hold more. You have the capacity to be happier. The tool to harvesting your happiness is within your grasp. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. All righty, let's get to it. Let's get to today's theme, which I am really excited to talk about. And that is our needless suffering. You know, how many of us have expectations that life must play according to our plans? And when it doesn't uh, come to fruition in the ways that we had hoped, we become disappointed, we become angry, we become disillusioned, we become miserable and unhappy. My first guest of the day has written a book that I am really quite mad about, and I mean that in a good way, and that is Christine Hassler, Her Expectation Hangover. Christine Hassler is the author of 20-something, 20-everything, The 20-something Manifesto, and her newest national bestseller, Expectation Hangover, Free Yourself from Your Past, Change Your Present, and Get What You Really Want. Christine left her successful job as a Hollywood agent to pursue a life she could be passionate about. For over a decade, she has been sharing her passion to ease suffering on the planet. Christine believes once we get out of our own way, we can show up to make the meaningful impact we are here to make. Amen, sister. Welcome, Christine. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, PTL and all of that stuff. <laughs> PTL. That's cute. I love that. That's the old Tammy Faye Baker. Oh, really? Wow. Growing up in Texas, I should know that. Yeah. PTL, she would say, with batting uh-huh. those long eyelashes. <laughs> uh-huh. I love it. I love it. This book is really wonderful. It is chock-a-block of stories, ideas, thought-provoking um, golden nuggets. Talk mm-hmm. a little a bit about how you came to write The Expectation Hangover. It was not an accident. Well, yes and no. <laughs> yeah. Every book I've I've written, probably except for maybe Twenty Something Manifesto, um, that was that was written after kind of out of my experience of working in kind of the quarter life crisis niche for so long. But definitely Twenty Something, Twenty Everything, and Expectation Hangover. I wrote them for me, and you know I, I was the one who needed them most. And that's what I found is that we're so not on this journey alone. And you know what I was going through um, as somebody on the path was was something so many other people were going through. And then and then also by the time I read Expectation Hangover, I had been a coach and spiritual counselor for ten years. And I noticed that, you know, there were some definitely some themes in terms of the suffering people were experiencing and what worked. And and also to be quite candid, I, I was a little frustrated with the personal transformation industry because I think it leaves people with a lot of expectation hangovers because it it promises a quick fix. And that's what I so appreciate. You know, you and I have in common our education from the University of Santa Monica. And I yes. so appreciated my experience there because it was a two-year experience of of really healing and really growing. And that's that's one of the biggest things I learned is that it's not a quick fix. You know, there's definitely things we can do on a daily basis, but I see so many people go to one workshop, buy one book, feel high for a day, and then see similar expectation hangovers come up. So I wanted to give a very comprehensive 
treatment plan to disappointment because I know from my own experience and working with, gosh, thousands of people at this point that in every disappointment is a massive healing opportunity. It's more than a blessing. It's more than a silver lining. It's a massive healing opportunity to go in and do work that will change your life. I couldn't agree more. It's like when we are challenged by our greatest adversities, these are opportunities that money can't buy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and th- I-, I couldn't agree with you more. Talk a little bit about the, the 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 quick definition of an expectation hangover because this is adorable to me. Yeah, yeah, and probably a good idea because people are like, "What is she talking about?" Yeah, what is she so, talking about? <laughs> you won't find it in the dictionary yet. Uh, but I made up the term. It's a it's when you know our reality does not meet our expectations, which is really what causes suffering when things don't go as planned. When things go as planned, but we don't feel the excitement we thought we would, like we get that great job or get into that relationship, but wow, we're still depressed or insecure or whatever it may be. So the, you know, the thing, the external thing didn't fix it or life just throws us an unexpected curveball. You know, everything from a mini expectation hangover, like a parking ticket to a massive one, like being diagnosed with an illness, getting dumped, um, those, those curveballs that come at us that aren't the pleasant surprises that we like. How can we prevent them? Well, as long as we're walking around as humans, we're going to have curveballs. Things aren't always going to go as quote-unquote planned because we don't have 100% control. That's that's another big illusion that we can control everything. Sure, we have influence. Sure, our thoughts and our beliefs and our energy manifest and co-create things. And then there's just the things we can't plan and the things we can't quote unquote control. So I think, you know, it, the only way to prevent them is to not have expectations and to live in, in flow and to live in surrender and to live with intention and goals, but not let our happiness, as you like to say, or our emotional okayness depend on it. And what I've learned too is, is in, in, in the personal growth work that I do, um, I, I find that the more I work on me, the more I heal, the more I move forward in my life and come from love rather than judgment or self-criticism or any of those things, the longer the time between expectation hangovers and the shorter the time I spend suffering in them. Because once we learn how to heal and manage disappointment, then we have tools. So when something does happen, when we do get a curveball, we can deal with it and we don't have to be in the suffering for weeks or months or years. I agree with you completely. And what I also came to mind as you were talking is about raising our distress tolerance. Most of us uh, don't really like discomfort. You know, uh, we human beings, we are hardwired for for pleasure. That is what we seek out of life is to have it be comfortable, pleasurable, nice, sweet, happy. We really are. We are addicted to our desire for those positive emotions. And yet in reality, life is an amalgamation of positive and negative emotions. It's both. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, you know, as we learned, at, or at least I learned at USM, I won't want to speak for you, but I'm guessing, you know, life is really about contrast. You know, that's yes. how we learn. I know something's hot because I know it's cold. And in in all the, the teachers that I've had, you know, I met my first spiritual teacher when I was 22, which was like, a godsend. Her name a was baby. Mona. Yeah, a baby. And I, I came to her because like I was confused about my boyfriend. I had no idea how powerful Mona was until like after my first session, I was like, whoa, who, who did I just meet? <laughs> so, you know, I've always kind of been, been on this path. And, and I, I was someone, I was diagnosed with um, depression when I was 10 years old. 
and put on Prozac. And so part of my story was I'm depressed. And so happiness was elusive to me. Even contentment was elusive to me. So I, it's always been this, this journey. And I remember, um, I was probably 26 and Mona was really trying to help me get off antidepressants. And she, she always had us right. You know, she always had her clients right. Not, not tight, but right. Cause that access is the, you know, right side of our brain. And she had me go into her other room and write about my journey from, from sadness to joy. And I, at that, at that time, it was, again, like I said, it was elusive. Like I didn't really know what that meant, but it started to dawn on me that, Maybe part of my depression and repression and suppression was the very thing that was going to show me the way to my joy and my love and my happiness. And it has been. And what's been so great for me, and I, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, is that the, my happiness doesn't depend on things. And it's not like this high, happy, like, you know, cheerleader happiness. It's, it's more of, I define it as a contentment and a, and a degree of acceptance of of wherever I am and whoever I am and and a high 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 degree of gratitude. That's what makes me feel most joyful is gratitude. Yeah, I I think that one thing we definitely share in common is what we are not speaking of is the annoying yellow smiley face. You know, we say that in the opening of the show each week because it's really true. People think you want me to be happy when I'm going through this or that or incredible adversity or trauma. And I think what we're, we share in our perspective is it's not that we're expecting every moment to be happy, but it is seeing um, the possibilities in exactly. each of these moments. Exactly. Exactly. And, and sometimes we don't know what those possibilities are. You know, it's, it's like I, as, as a Virgo high achiever, former type air person, I don't like not knowing uncertainty was really scary to me. And so, so much of, of my growth has been in coming to a peaceful relationship with uncertainty. Yep. Because the only thing we can control sister is ourselves. Yes, that is very true. And, and, and sometimes we feel like we don't even, we can't even control that, but we can yeah. have awareness and we can know that, you know, in between what happens and how we choose to respond, we, we do have a choice. And, and even our thoughts, like I notice a thought will come in that is just not the direction I want to go. And, and I can't maybe control it from immediately coming in, but I can notice it and, and shift my direction and choose to think a different thought. I couldn't agree more. You know what's interesting? You share something, share something about your own, um, depression history. And I too also have depression in my history. And I like to refer to myself as a re- reformed depressive because I really <laughs> have used the work of, of decades to transform mm-hmm. that, the negative emotion and the, the biological effects of depression, which yep. really, um, sort of constrict our ability to allow our bodies to work optimally. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I mean, I still, I've been off antidepressants for a little over seven years and am still getting my my body chemistry back. Um, and so much of it was, you know, and maybe this will be another book, I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't have a position on medication, but I do know for me and for a lot of people that I've worked with, um, getting off of them opened up my spirituality. It opened up my sexuality. It opened up my creativity. But I had to go through some very, very dark 
moments and periods of time, you know, had to go to the kind of the darkest dark to get to the lightest light. And I think that's what stops a lot of people from taking that journey. Yes. It, well, I think it's the fear or believing that we don't have the, the fortitude to, to step onto the path. But that really leads me to want to ask you about the hero's journey. We're going to need to take a break because you, you, you mentioned this in the book a little bit. And I want to talk about that and, mm-hmm. and more when we return. To learn more about Christine Hassler and her work, please visit christinehassler.com on Facebook, Christine Hassler page. And on Twitter, that handle is at Christine Hassler. Here come those tunes. We'll be right back. And that's a promise. Who says money can't buy happiness? Check out Lisa's new book, Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life and other fun, fashionable, and inspiring items at shophappyatharvestinghappiness.com. We'll be right back after this quick break. Do you find yourself saying things like, I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if? Does the finish line for happiness keep moving? Does the bar keep getting higher? What's getting in the way of your happiness right now? Too much going on? Working too much? Not working enough? Having too many responsibilities? Not having enough money, enough time, enough space? The list goes on and on. It becomes difficult to see all that we have if we focus on scarcity. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one. And sometimes we all need support. Are We Happy Yet? is not another self-help book. It's a guidebook for learning how to harvest happiness through self-mastery, which is the key ingredient into building resilience, hardiness, grit, and emotional stability. Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times, we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking with Christine Hassler about The Expectation Hangover, which is her latest book. We're talking about how learning to manage our expectations, but moreover, manage ourselves is the ticket to finding a level of sustainable happiness in our lives. Christine, let's talk a little bit about the hero's journey because prior to going to the break, we were talking about having the courage or the fortitude to step into the unknown when all most of us really want to do is control everything. Yeah, but when we control everything, we miss out on the really great stuff the universe wants to bring us and we miss out on those soul lessons. And I think, you know, I I, I truly believe, who knows if I'm correct or not, that we miss out on living into our full potential. If I had only done my plan life, I would never be on this show talking with you right now. I, I, who knows what I would have been doing. Um, and part of the hero's journey is that dark night of the soul, that those times in our life where things have fallen apart and when we don't have control and there's a high degree of uncertainty. And that's really where we learn humility and where we learn surrender. And And for me, that was when I really got on my spiritual path because, you know, I was raised Catholic. I always believed in God and a higher power, but I didn't really have a relationship. And I don't know that I deeply trusted anything bigger than me. I thought life was kind of up to me. And it is that moment of feeling like you've lost everything that you realize how much you truly have. But 
the the reference point has to shift from looking to those external things to finding those those places inside and 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 living a more inside out than an outside in kind of life. I remember when I was in graduate school, the graduate school that we share, University of Santa Monica, that its founders and primary professors and teachers and mentors uh, talk about healing is applying love to the places that hurt. Mm, they say the greatest things there. <laughs> they do. And that's a, that's a nugget that I have remembered, you know, 10 years after I've graduated and I oh, use with my own clients, you know? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and what I remind myself of, you know, it's like I think so many times in my life when there was something to heal, there was judgment. There was the, this is broken. I need to fix this issue. And I see so many people approach their own transformation like this. You know, I, I have something wrong with me. I was abused or I had someone that abandoned me or, and they, they relate to the issue with so much judgment that it makes it hard to heal. And that healing is the application of loving to the places inside that hurt is such a beautiful and tender and I think motherly way to approach our healing. Yeah. And that's been my experience. And you know, you, you talk about, uh, in the book, instead of asking yourself, why is this happening to me? Which places us on that victim consciousness trajectory. You suggest the reframe of what am I learning here? Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing that was big from, from all of my teachers that whenever I would come in with a why, 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 Someone like Mona would reflect to me that I was in victim. That yeah. I was a victim. And as much as I kind of wanted to be in victim, because a little sympathy is always nice when you're in victim, right? Is it, it wasn't empowering and it wasn't sympathy I wanted. I wanted, I wanted freedom. And it wasn't until I started asking that question, what am I learning? Okay, I may not like this. I don't, you know, I didn't love when I was 26 years old that my fiance broke up with me and I was embarrassed and ashamed and hurt and heartbroken. I didn't love it. But asking why, 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 why wasn't getting me anywhere. When I asked, okay, what am I learning? You know, what am I really learning here? What's here for me to heal? It helped move me into a place of acceptance. And, you know, I also learned at USM that acceptance is the first law of spirit. And so when we go into that place of acceptance and we stop fighting with what is, yeah. then, then we can move on to the healing, you know, the application of love. Yes, we can actually do something about it. Once you acknowledge what is going on and, and, and doing nothing, I think it's interesting, it is also a choice. Yeah, or suppressing, you know, drinking or overworking or, you know, going and rescuing someone else or whatever it may be. That's, that's also a choice. And, and I, I give my clients and, and followers that, that choice and say, okay, I'm here when you want to stop numbing and stop suppressing and stop running. Because I think too many people just try to get over something and they try to be strong and push through. And then they experience the same kind of expectation hangover, maybe just with a different cast of characters. You talk in your book about the, uh, in, in, in the book about a holistic prescription for treading expectation hangovers. What do you mean by holistic? Holistic for treating. Yes. Um, what I mean by that is we can't just think differently. We can't just act differently. We right. can't just process our emotions and we can't just meditate. Um, at least I have found that doesn't work for me. And so it wasn't until, you know, I, I, did the emotional work, the mental work, the behavioral work, and the spiritual work 
that I really started to experience true healing and transformation in my life. So that's what I mean by holistic. Like we really look at it from all levels, the emotional body, the mental body, the behavioral and the spiritual, because again, kind of back to the quick fix, I see a lot of promises, you know, for example, just do this meditation and your anxiety will be cured. Okay. Well, maybe you'll experience temporary relief, but to cure the anxiety, you've got to get to the root of what created it in the first place and the fear and the, the anxiety or perhaps the trauma that has that running as an energetic system in your body. You know, and talking about the quick fix, and there, there is a, there's so much information out there. I mean, self-help and transformational books and literature and videos is, is huge. It is a multi-billion dollar industry. And I think where it can be challenging for many people is they are expecting, talk about expectation hangover, expecting the fix to come from reading this book, doing this meditation, doing this exercise, and without being willing to manifest the courage to tap into those places that we might be fearful of seeing. In my experience, in my observation, in my own personal experience, it is very difficult to have a long-lasting effect. I, I totally agree. And I will admit that I have had judgment of those kind of big promises or internet marketing or preying on people's pain kind of thing. But what I've really realized when I got some altitude on it is that, you know, sometimes something needs to be really loud to get people's attention. And people that, you know, have huge platforms and are making big promises, I think it invites people at least into the work. And they get that taste. And they may have a little expectation hangover because, you know, that one workshop didn't fix everything. But it wet the palate. And so then they look for more. And then they maybe find the teacher that will take them deeper or the ongoing curriculum that that will really serve them like we found USM. So I think that part of um, what we have to be mindful of as consumers of personal growth is that we're taking responsibility to, to like you said, really do the deep work and not just look for that quick fix. Yeah. And the people who create all of this content, ourselves included, we're human. You know, we all come to the path, you know, via our own journey and we are all, we all have things to say, every single one of us, whether we're the, we're pursuing the happiness or have found some level of happiness, we all have a gift to share. And I, I do like what you said about, you know, wetting, wetting the palate, you know, to invite people for deeper inquiry, for further inquiry and an integrated inquiry. Yeah. Yeah. Cause some people are the whistleblowers, you know, and some people are the work that get in the, do the work that get in the weeds with people. And like you said, we all have our gifts. So it's really, um, I think that that's, you know, for people that are really questioning or comparing themselves or feeling like they're not doing enough. And I teach a program called secret sauce and it's all about like owning who you are. And that has been the biggest game changer for me in terms of moving forward in my life. You know, I've talked about the work of how I've healed the past, but moving forward has really been about not trying to be like anybody else, just being me, really tapping into my zone of genius, what my secret sauce is, and celebrating other people's because when we celebrate, there's no need for comparison and we can see that we all have our place and we all have our gifts. So true. I mean, I'm, I'm shaking my head. I'm smiling. I'm going, yes, 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 yes. Um, let's talk a little bit about the writing exercises that are contained in the book because guess what, ladies and gentlemen, just by opening the book, you will not be fixed. <laughs> <laughs> 
probably sell a lot more books if that were true. I, yeah, right. We both would. No, no, no. There, there, there is a little buy-in here required besides just purchasing the book. Yes, I, I did. You know, here's the thing. We're talking about no quick fixes. Just reading something isn't going to challenge someone or change someone. And so, you know, expectation hangover is not a take this book to Hawaii and read it on the beach. It's take it in with your journal and your Kleenex box and, <laughs> and go in. And, and the reason why I wrote it that way is because I really just want to empower people and, and share the tools that I've learned and that I've discovered have worked for me. And the book has lots of exercise, lots of guided meditations that you can go download. Um, so it kind of is like a, a, a workshop in a book. Which, which is fabulous and very cost effective, I might add. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like what? 18 bucks or something. Exactly. Um, let's talk about managing expectations because I think this is, um, in terms of the expectation hangover, learning to manage is like learning to regulate. Exactly. And, and to me, it's just making choices. It's like I say, not going to a Chinese restaurant when you want nachos, meaning when you really want validation or encouragement, don't keep going to your incredibly critical father who's never given you any validation. Go to your girlfriend who is your cheerleader. Create agreements rather than expectations with people. Um, you know, we learned the tool perception checking at USM. Say, okay, Lisa, this is, this is what I said. What did you hear? Reflect that back to me and let's make an agreement. And so that's how we manage. We just, we communicate more clearly. We know where our needs can be met and we, we live a life of intention and surrender rather than expectations of ourselves or others. Beautifully, beautifully said, really. Um, let's talk a little bit about the law of attraction and, and the problem or the potential, um, snag with that. We don't have much time, so it'll, be, it'll have to be a short one, but then you'll have to come back. So that works okay, out well. I'll come for, back. It works out well, well for me. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> it works well for me too. Okay. Um, so quickly, kind of the flaw of law of attraction is we can't just put something on a vision board and think about it and expect right. it to manifest. We've <laughs> got to go in and change the beliefs. If, for example, if I put all these pictures of wedding rings and love and romance on a vision board, but I haven't healed my heartbreak from high school and think I'm unworthy of love and think that like relationships are going to hurt me. It doesn't matter how many vision boards I do. I've got to shift the internal energy and heal those old wounds. Beautifully said. My guest today is Christine Hassler. She is the author of Expectation Hangover. Free yourself from your past, change your present, and get what you really want. To learn more, please visit christinehassler.com. On Facebook, Christine Hassler page. And on Twitter, that handle is at Christine Hassler. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, there will be more. Thank you, Christine. What a treat for me. Thank you treat for me too. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new episode of consciously curated talk radio from the heart. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on Toginet, iTunes, and SoundCloud. In a complicated world seemingly driven by nonstop negative news, Lisa's mission is to celebrate the upside of life and seek the silver lining of our challenges by transforming them into uplifting growth opportunities for all. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. 
Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is produced in collaboration with Toginet Radio, KBUU, RadioMalibu.net, and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.